Well, good morning, North Lakes. Welcome to another Northies Online. We are very happy to be spending our Sunday mornings with you. Uh, so last week we obviously had Easter. We finished that story with Easter Sunday and the good news of the resurrection. And it is only apt that uh, we continue this story um, into the next chapter of Luke, uh, which is Jesus as the risen King. Um, so I'm going to pick up the story in Luke 24. And this is just after the women uh, went to the tomb and they found it completely empty. But Jesus hadn't appeared yet to any person. So he was still presumed by his disciples and by the rest of the people dead uh, for real. So we're going to start in verse 13. But before I open the Bible, I'm just going to pray. So God, we just thank you so much for the ability to still meet together and for communication that goes beyond our expectation, Lord. We're so grateful that we still can feel connected in this time, Lord, and we can still feel your presence in this time. I just pray that as we open up your word this morning, that you would speak to and minister to each of us, God, that you would meet us uh, where we are, and you would really just put the words on our heart and convict us where we need it in, um, in the way that we know you are the loving God. And we just praise you for your resurrection, and we praise you for what that means, God, our salvation and um, a new life in Jesus. We pray in your precious name. Amen. So from verse 13 in Luke chapter 24, let me get to it. It says that same day, two of the disciples were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. I feel like this would be the equivalent of us walking a meter and a half apart and someone coming up and asking us why. And one of the disciples says, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Jesus asked, what things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem us and redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it empty, just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus there. He said to them, how foolish you are, how slow to believe that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. I feel like that needs to be subtitled as like the most epic Bible study that's ever happened because Jesus walked this like 11 kilometer journey with these two disciples and spoke to them about all of the prophets, starting with Moses right at the start of the Bible and all the way into current times, explaining to them where he was in the scriptures. And so as they approached the village to which they were going, that's Emmaus, Jesus continued on as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him. Then he disappeared from their sight and they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? I feel like this is um, an incredible example of 
a new day dawning and the new day has come and we can celebrate Resurrection Sunday together. But this was a new day that those disciples hadn't seen yet. And they were, um, a new day was available to them, yet their eyes were not yet open. And I feel like when I first read this story, when I first heard this story, probably, I just envisioned the disciples walking through towns as they seem to do in like every other Bible story, just walking and going to a destination with purpose. But when I kind of read it in a straight sequence from the crucifixion, it made me question why, why were they leaving the rest of the disciples back in Jerusalem to go to this somewhat random village of Emmaus? And, you know, it's not said explicitly here, but based on what we still see in human behavior, we can make an assumption that they weren't running to Emmaus to claim the good news that the grave was empty and the tomb was gone, but they were running away from the reality of an absent savior. See, we have the gift of hindsight when we read this story, uh, but we've got to remember that these disciples would have been truly grieving during this time. They had just watched their friend, their leader, and the man that they really thought was going to change the world be mocked and beaten and murdered in front of them. Not only would this describe the indescribable trauma, as we would all expect, but the reality of that meant everything they had sacrificed to follow Jesus was in vain. You know, numerous times throughout Jesus' ministry, he said um, he told the disciples to sell their belongings to lay their life down, to leave their family, leave their job, leave their comfort, to follow him and to be a part of this great movement. Now, not only do these disciples, sorry, lack income, they lack safety, family, they're left with no hope to the future that they had invested everything into. So it's easy to understand that when the whole Jesus is our savior kind of thing had gone bust in their eyes, These two disciples were running away from the reality of the grief and the hopelessness and into this new village where no one knew their name, no one knew where they came from. They were going to start again with new jobs, new lives, new identity. No one would even know them as those people who followed Jesus or those Christian guys, you know. And I feel like even for us now, we're in a time where a lot of us maybe have lost our job or lost what we thought we were secure in. And it's now a real time where we can look at this new day and still see the darkness and we can still see the empty tomb and focus on the darkness of that instead of waiting on the hope and the promise that Jesus has given us. Um, But when I read this story, I honestly just found myself wanting to like yell at the pages like you do when you watch like a bad horror movie or like a bingy soap TV show. You want to just yell, you just want them to stay in Jerusalem. We wish they would stay there and wait on the promise that God had given them. We wish they would just stand firm in the very words that were spoken to them by Jesus earlier that year when he said, the son of man, this is Jesus' words, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill them, they will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised to life. They were words given to them just a few months earlier and still they walked away from the empty tomb when they saw that it was a hopeless cause. But like I said, we can kind of look at this story through the lens of hindsight and think, how could you walk away? You should have just waited longer in the day. The tomb was empty. He was obviously going to be resurrected. This, like the ending was clear, but it takes us no time at all to walk away when the going gets tough. We try and find our own way when we cannot understand God's way. 
when we're called into a season of waiting or when we maybe are going through grief or trauma or darkness, how quickly do we forget Jesus' words when he says, in this life you will have troubles. But instead we think that God's just forgotten. We walk away. Maybe we leave church. Maybe we leave difficult conversations. We leave those around us who will hold us accountable and remind us. And instead of hanging out with them and instead of staying firm and steadfast where we were, we take up the company of those who will indulge us in the self-affirming conversations that we all love to feel. They let us feel like we have no association to our our past life with Jesus. We surround ourselves with those with whom we speak about the death and the hopelessness of the situation instead of the life and the hope remains that remains promised to us even if it's unseen and i think that you can just imagine these two disciples all friday night all saturday all sunday morning they were saying this is hopeless what have we done what have we spent the last few years on has all been in vain everyone thinks we're fools we've just um you know given up everything for nothing should we just go like it's not too late for us we're not of old age we can still go out we can still get you know, wives and houses and jobs and things like that. And their kind of um, conversation with each other, just affirming it. You know, there's this proverb that says, um, good, good character is corrupted by bad company. And I think that that is something that all of us have to have on the forefront of our, of our mind when we're kind of in this season of waiting. We need somebody to be speaking life and not death and hope when the promise is still unseen. Um, earlier in the book of Luke, there's this story Maybe it's a well-known one. Um, When Jesus is hanging around, the Bible says, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation. Uh, And the religious scholars were not pleased. The message translation says, they were not pleased, not at all pleased. Their grumbling triggered this story. Suppose one of, this is Jesus' words again. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and lost one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? When found, you can be sure. You would put it across your shoulders rejoicing. And when you get home, you call in your friends and neighbors saying, celebrate with me. I found my lost sheep. Count on it that there's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than over 99 good people in no need of rescue. Said with a side eye to the religious scholars and the Pharisees. Um, But this parable of the lost sheep, it reveals so much about our God, but it also reveals so much about us. You know, we, like the sheep in this story, are just unable to be trusted to stay the path on our own merit and in our own strength. Instead, we chase this instant gratification. We chase feelings and we run away at the first sign of danger. But while, but while we to and fro with our purpose, our good shepherd remains fixed on his purpose. When, and I say when and not if, we stray, He will leave all expectation, all of those who we expect him to hang out with, and he comes after us, and he comes after you, not to take us captive, but like we see in this story, and like we see him with these two disciples, he says, what are you talking about? He, He puts himself in a position to hear their hearts, to hear our hearts, to teach us and to walk with us through this season of doubt and through this season of being disheartened and interrupts our expectation of what we think God is uh, and interrupts it with a true and unwavering love. And that is our God and that is the good shepherd with which we, whom we follow. Um, 
And I think also when we read this story, maybe maybe just I was having a moment of self-righteousness, but I think you can maybe relate. You can think, nah, I know Jesus promises. You know, I'm the guy, I'm one of the 10 back in Jerusalem or the nine back in Jerusalem, waiting obediently for God to just come up and just answer my prayers and redeem us the way that he promised. But in this moment, when these scriptures open to us, I really challenge you to search your heart and find the story of these two disciples that you can relate to. You know, even if it's the oldest, tiniest uh, promise of God that you found yourself walking away from or running away from or declaring it was it was dead, it was, um, you know, buried with the grave. I challenge you to have your eyes open to the scriptures and Trust God to answer your prayer and answer your promise and be faithful to what he has said because it's in our natures to just put the blinders on and walk away from the hardness instead of enduring and staying steadfast in in stillness in these seasons of of grief and trauma and unknown. And that word is more true now than than ever where everything feels like it just has an edge of grief on it and everyone feels like they're carrying their own burdens and their own heaviness. So I really encourage you to just um, search your own heart and kind of walk this journey with God to see where you have walked away from his promise and that you need his word to minister to you and to be opened up so you can return back and you can see the goodness and the promise that comes with resurrection. Um, And just a thought to close. I want to just bring your eyes back to one part of the original story that's easy to overlook. And it's back in Luke 24, verse 28. And it says, as they approached the village to which they were going, great grammar, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly. They said, stay with us for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. And it was there that their eyes were open to the scriptures, that they, they realized that our heart, their hearts were burning the whole time, that they in fact had their walking, living savior there with them the whole time. And it's, Jesus has been walking with these people through the journey, even though they didn't know he was there with them. But as they approached the, the village of Emmaus, that is their final destination, Jesus, it says Jesus was going to keep going and keep journeying onwards and they would have been without him. The same is true for each of us. And this is a hard one to communicate and it's a hard one to hear. That we love the idea of this um, loving God who just walks with us through everything. But there will come come a time in all of our lives when we reach the end of our journey where God says that he will keep moving forward. And it's only if we invite him in that he will stay with us, that he will break bread for us, that his body will be broken and his blood will be spilled for us so that we can spend eternity with him. Um, And so I just wrote, I said, we, we journey through life and can have no awareness of God. And whether that for us means no awareness at all or no awareness in certain areas of our life that we haven't yet surrendered to God, he is still there. But there will come a time when we're reaching our final destination where God says, this is where I must leave you, my love. It is there that these two disciples urged urged him strongly and asked him to stay. They invited him in and he obliged. The son of God, the risen king obliged. And it was like they lived the last supper all over again. Just a few days earlier, the last supper they shared with him, his body was broken for them. Their minds were open. His blood was spilled for them. 
And God is waiting for that with that same, no, God is waiting for that same invitation from each of us. As we walk along this journey and we live this life that the scriptures say is but a breath, God is waiting for that invitation from us. Whether that is for the first time for you this morning or the 500th time, all we have to say is, please, Lord, I need you. Please come into my life. And it is then that our eyes can be open and our, we can realize our hearts were burning the whole time. And it's then we can see him as Lord, as Savior, as the good shepherd, as the faithful fulfiller of all promises, who never stopped his great pursuit. And who says, once we invite him in, he says, celebrate me, celebrate with me. I found my lost love. And when we do, God promises us that there is joy in heaven when they gain a, re- when they gain a sinner's rescued life. And I just thought that that was so powerful that this new day that the two disciples knew where they were going, they were fleeing from the scene. They were just shutting their heart to what they thought was too hard and too irrelevant and too hopeless and into what they thought. But God came along their journey and interrupted where they thought they were going. And it was just a simple invitation that meant that Jesus was dining with them once more. And the invitation for him to break bread a reminder of the invitation that he extends to all of us, that his body is broken, his blood is spilled for us and for our resurrection and our eternal uh, reconciliation with our heavenly father. And, you know, just a few verses later, a few days later in the Bible is when uh, Jesus leaves the Holy Spirit as our um, ongoing helper and as our friend and as our counsel. And that is the promise that is left for all of us. So uh, I would love to invite you to pray with me or for me to pray with you. And, uh, and I challenge you just to open up your heart to what God is calling you today. And if this seems like something that is, could be real, something that perhaps in the past you've dismissed as irrelevant or, um, or hopeless or dark or not even real, then I would just challenge you to just um, give a simple invitation and have your eyes open to the scripture and then let that be a journey that you walk with God. So Lord, we thank you so much that your word is just a love story for us, that it is just the whole life of Jesus was just you outstretching a hand to declare that you love us, Lord. And us outstretching it back and saying that we love you too is us inviting you into our life, God. So uh, together across our online church platform and across our nation and across the world, God, we just extend our hand to you for all parts of our life, Lord. We ask you to forgive us for our ignorance and naivety towards it all, Lord. And we just thank you for being so gracious. Thank you for being a savior that we don't have to um, constantly work for the favor of God, but you have already chased after us, Lord. We just thank you and we accept we accept your love. We accept your resurrection, God, and we invite you in uh, with the most humble and uh, thankful hearts, Lord. Pray that each of us who make this prayer this morning you would just open our eyes to the scriptures, that you would just burn within our hearts and we would just become on fire for you, Lord, that we would have a sense of your spirit with us, that you would be helping us and guiding us and teaching us each and every day, Lord. And this would be a day that we thought we knew the direction of God, but you are just radically redirecting it because of your radical and reckless love, Lord. We love you and we're thankful for you and we pray in your precious saving name. Amen. Thank you so much, church. We hope that you can join us next week. And again, if you would like prayer for something specific or if you would like uh, someone to reach out for you, out to you or get connected in the, in the text box below, you can just type your details and someone will get in touch with you. We love you, church.